In the first three episodes of this series, you heard the stories from the panicked evacuations and dramatic rescues of the hundreds of people at Mammoth Pool Reservoir in the Sierra Nevada. They'd been stranded there over Labor Day weekend 2020 as the creek fire closed in on them. Well, this week, we step back from that narrative with an epilogue, checking in on these three families a year later. How have they recovered? How do they look back at the experience? And what about that lawsuit? From KVPR, this is Escape from Mammoth Pool. I'm Carrie Klein. For this week's show, I'm joined by my colleague and enthusiastic listener, Kathleen Schock. She herself is the host of another KVPR podcast called Valley Edition. So Kathleen, I'd love to hear what you thought about the podcast so far, plus any questions that you're anxious to ask after those first few episodes. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I, the podcast is just riveting. And, you know, there's something so... Um, inspirational about the heroic rescue and and the way that everyone managed to stay so poised in the middle of such a traumatic experience. It's mm-hmm. just been really incredible to listen to. I, you know, I'm curious, you know, I know that my friends are all talking about it. What have you been hearing from people who are have been following along? Yeah, I think that this is, I think that you're right. I think that the notes of heroism kind of strike a chord with a lot of people. And and that's what drew me to this story a lot, too, is that, yes, there are some really tragic and sad moments. And there are still some outcomes, even though everyone survived, there are still some, you know, injuries that had long lasting effects. But, but really, it kind of just put shines a, a, a laser light on the heroic and positive nature of, of people, you know, what we can do in for good in tense situations. And I'm hearing that from a lot of listeners, too, that they're inspired. Um, and I think it's also a way for some people to connect with wildfires and the wildfire experience in a different way than they're used to from other, you know, from other media or, you know, stories or movies or whatever it might be. Um, and also, I've heard from some of the families in this series as well that they, you know, they found this really cathartic, a really cathartic experience to talk about all this, and that they're glad that um, that it rings true with with listeners as well. Absolutely, yeah, it really does bring this situation to life in a way that other fire stories mm. just can't. So, I have a few questions for you today, but. First, tell me about Carla Carcamo's family members. She had been camping with lots of her extended family, and many of those were burned when the flames approached while they were hiking. It sounds like some of them had very serious injuries. How are they doing now? Yeah, that's right. So that was Carla's brother and sister, um, also two cousins. They were all badly burned uh, and injured, and so were many others who were hiking with them. Um, well, and according to the National Guard, there were actually 21 people who were transferred to the hospital immediately after they were airlifted out last summer. So many of those injuries were bad, as you said. You know, many people ended up in the hospital for days or weeks. Some needed skin grafts. Um, some were released, but ultimately readmitted with infections. So Carla said it's been a tough year, um, obviously, and this has been a traumatic event for their whole family. However, I don't actually know much more than that, like what kind of long-term care they need. I haven't been able to speak to anyone else in her family, and that's because many of them are involved in a lawsuit about the fire, and they can't discuss the details with me. Okay, so this is the lawsuit you teased at the end of the last episode. That's right. So this lawsuit was filed in May with the Madera County Superior Court. 
And you might assume that it's related to how the fire started, but it's not. It's actually about communicating fire risk. And it argues that because of some special circumstances, the county could have notified the campers that the fire was approaching, but it didn't. So I'll back up a couple steps here. So if you recall in the first episode of the series, in the middle of the night before all the craziness happened, Carla and her cousins spotted a fire off in the distance, what they believe was the very beginning of the Creek Fire, and they called 911. Now, I have a copy of that 911 call, but according to the lawsuit, there may have been more to that exchange than what I got my hands on. And more importantly, at some point in that exchange, someone in Carla's family gave their phone number to a county employee so he could get back in touch if the fire position changed. But a follow-up call never happened. He never did. So the county is the target of the lawsuit, and it claims their failure to follow up with the campers was negligence. The complaint was filed on behalf of 11 plaintiffs. I recognize many names as Carla's relatives. And although I don't know the others, uh, it appears as though all 11 People suffered injuries that weekend because of the fire. But like I said, I've never spoken to any of the plaintiffs about this, and both Carla and the lawyer representing them declined to answer any questions about the lawsuit or the circumstances that led to it. What about the county? How are they responding? So Madera County never responded to multiple requests for comment. However, the county's lawyers did respond in a legal filing. And in that document, they say there's not enough evidence to prove that the county owed a legal duty to the campers in this situation. And even if the campers had been able to demonstrate a legal duty, the county argues it would still be immune from any liability based on a specific clause in the state's health and safety code that protects first responders. But this case is still in its early stages, and more details are likely to emerge as it continues. Wow. Well, I do look forward to hearing more about that. So then let's move on to the other families that you interviewed. First, Vicky Castro and Rolando Rosales. They're the parents who got separated from their kids during that two-mile evacuation from the campgrounds to the lake. A year later, how did they look back at this experience? Well, I'll start with their kids, um, who are still struggling a bit. You know, to recap, um, Vicky and Rolando were there with their two sons and a niece and nephew, and they ranged in age from 6 to 14. Here's what Vicky says about her two sons. My oldest, he still shakes when he hears anybody talking about the fire. And the youngest one, he just doesn't like talking about it. And notably, their youngest son was involved in an episode that I wasn't able to include in our earlier segments. And so when when these kids were running to the lake, they themselves got separated and had to split into a few different cars. And their youngest son was actually left behind for a spell. A car had stopped to pick him up, but they apparently got spooked by how close the flames were. And after opening a car door for him, they closed it again and took off. He did catch another ride just fine, but Vicky says he still asks, why would people leave a kid behind? But for Vicky and Rolando themselves, you know, they're relatively clear-eyed about the whole experience, and they really focus on the positives. Yes, they lost everything they brought with them. Yes, it was a traumatic, you know, weekend, but they still have each other. I don't know. I feel like that brought us more, like, together as a family, living that experience. You can die at any moment. You just got to enjoy your family. Do good all the time. And just last month, Vicky had a baby, their third child, a baby girl. Oh, that's fantastic news. Yeah. 
And then, of course, there was that emotional roller coaster ride with their puppy who they thought they lost forever, but then ended up being rescued. Yeah, wasn't that a, just an incredible story? A- amazing. Yeah. So Loki, their puppy, was rescued along with a group of guys that were all huddled in a quad that was parked in a creek during the fire. So this particular quad model, it's it's called a Razor, um, and it's pretty distinctive looking, kind of like the skeleton of a Jeep. Well, people had parked two of these razors in the creek in the hopes that the water would help them survive the flames. Well, Vicky and Rolando ride razors a lot. And so what they think happened is that once Loki was basically tossed out of a truck and on his own, he trotted into the woods to find refuge. And the sight of these two razors would have been familiar to him. So he stayed there, was, in fact, protected from the flames. And that's where that group of guys found him before they were all rescued later in the day. You briefly mentioned another dog in the series, and that's the puppy that came along with Alex Tedamati and Raul Reyes, two others who belong to an off-roading club with Vicky and Rolando. What happened to that dog? So this was another sidebar I didn't have time for. He is fine, um, though his story isn't nearly as traumatic as Loki's, uh, and it's it's actually quite funny. So their puppy, his name is Cash, um, they had a crate for him in their truck. So they had no trouble bringing him with them to the lake, but they were worried about whether they could bring him in the helicopter with them. You know, they found out later that, yes, anybody with a heartbeat, basically, was welcome in those rescue choppers, but they didn't know that at the time. So they literally wrapped Cash up in a blanket like a baby and held him, passing him back and forth during the flight. But here's the thing, Cash is a mastiff. And so even though he was a puppy, he still weighed 40 pounds at the time. So you can imagine how uncomfortable this, you know, 60 minute flight would have been for them. Wow, that is amazing. And a good, fortunately, another good outcome. And what about Alex and Raul themselves? How are they faring now? Well, at first, it was tough um, for them, like it was for anyone there. You know, if you recall, um, while Alex was talking to the 911 dispatcher, Raul was driving their truck, uh, which ended up shuttling 17 people to the lake. For a while after this episode was over, Raul says he had nightmares about people falling off the truck and getting hurt while he was driving. As we now know, that did happen with Carla's cousin in another truck, but not with anyone riding with Raul. Now, they're both able to look back at this experience, um, you know, pretty lucidly. They've also both been camping again with that off-roading group who had been at Mammoth Pool that weekend. The difference now, though, is that they've been staying away from really wooded areas um, and finding places to camp that have more than one way out. Uh, Plus, Alex says they all have a lot more respect for fire. Yeah, we just don't mess around with fire no more. (laughs) Like, if the sun is orange i'm out of there i don't care where i'm i don't care if i'm in the city i don't care i'm gone i don't play no more and then other things that i heard from from alex and raul and vicky and rolando are that you know they're thinking a lot more about emergency plans and escape routes uh they're taking inventory of all their belongings when they go camping and they also take pictures of everything that certainly makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you said that all of this took place on Alex's birthday. Does this blemish the day for her at all? You know, the fact that she has to associate her birthday with this trauma. No, she she says no way. Um, amazingly. And in fact, she sort of already had this conversation with Vicky and Rolando's nephew uh, back at the at the lake while they were still waiting to be rescued. He came up to me and he was bawling and he was like, Alex, uh, I'm so, so sorry. I was like, baby, what's wrong? And he said, I'm sorry, this is the worst birthday you've ever had. I was like, baby, this is not the worst birthday I've ever had. I'm not going to die today. 
So what can we look forward to in next week's episode? Well, next week, we plan to run an extended interview with Chief Joseph Rosamond. Um, He was the helicopter pilot with the National Guard who flew the Chinook that rescued so many of those campers. There was much more to our conversation than we could include so far, including, you know, just what made these flights so risky compared to his active combat missions. Um, And then, you know, a little bit about whether he regrets any of the risks that they took in loading so full with passengers. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen. And that is today's episode of Escape from Mammoth Pool. Thanks to my colleague Kathleen Schock and our editor Alice Daniel. Music by Kevin McLeod and web support from Alex Burke. This has been a production of KVPR, NPR for Central California. Thanks, as always, for listening. Mm-hmm.